captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to episode 33 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers Podcast. This is the podcast on the Geek News Now Network that discusses both Star Trek, Star Wars, and some other geeky things at the same time. So, my name is Jonathan. I'm the host of the podcast, but I could not do it without my co host, Chris Stow. How's it going, man? Hey, Jonathan, I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Oh, it's it's been a while since we recorded. I'm kind of glad that we're getting back into it. I know we're we're trying to do better and record more often for you guys. So 2024, we're really hoping to get back on track with that. And we figured, you know, what better way to kick off our uh, New Year's resolution for 2024 with a look back at the year that was 2023 in Star Wars and Star Trek, and then look ahead a little bit to 2024 and talk about the things that we're excited for in, in the next year. So, Chris, anything new with you in in life in general? Life in general? <laughs> Not much. Keeping busy with, with the private practice. My caseload significantly increased in the last I'd say two months. So now I'm up to at least 71 clients, which I don't see 71 clients a week, but it's now pushed me to 30 plus per week, mm-hmm. which, is, which is really, really good. It, it helps financially, definitely, you know, but and it, it's nice to see the practice finally growing. I was told that it would take about four years for things to finally stabilize it at, at a healthy level. And I'll be hitting four years in private practice in February. So it's, it's all coming together once and for all. It's just, it's slow and steady, you know, but career wise, everything's good. The cats at the house are doing well and I've been keeping up with my geek nerdy stuff, continuing my role as the XO of the Stella Parada in Starfleet International. We just had our Christmas party yesterday, which was really good. We, it was a little cleaner this year than it was the previous year. <laughs> uh, we played a filthy game where you made like, you saw a picture and made like filthy memes out of it. Ah, yeah, it was it was really something last year. This year was a little more low key, which was really nice. And, uh, <laughs> but that's it. I'm looking forward to Christmas and the new year and getting started into a new year with new goals and expectations. So how about you? What have you been up to? Not a whole lot. Kylie and I have been doing kind of a good many like cool things over the past several months. You know, we've we've seen a lot of movies, I guess, oh, for the for the year so far. I crossed uh, over 150 new-to-me movies, movies that I've never seen before. I- I've seen 150 this year, so crazy for doing that. Somehow I'm proud of it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what else did we... Oh, this week, earlier this week on Tuesday, I got to cross one of the things off of my bucket list that you know I never knew if I'd have another opportunity to, to see him. I got to see John Williams in Pittsburgh guest conducting the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra as they played several of his compositions from Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Harry Potter, and even 
the the movie The Adventures of Tintin, which was a deep cut and fantastic soundtrack and a fantastic movie. If you've never seen it, Chris, it it's yeah, it, it's an animated film. It's based on a Belgian comic called Tintin. So it's not Rin Tintin like the dog, uh, you know, from uh, you know fifties and sixties television in America. It's Tintin. He's a he's a detective. And yeah, it's 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 a Belgian comic. It's very very popular in the world. And probably twenty years ago, they made a movie out of it. And cool. it's it's still one of the best animated movies I've probably seen in my life. Wow! Cool. So, I have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I was really shocked when that song came up in in the program. But yeah, so it was wild being in the same room as John Williams. Man, it's I. It, I can't even describe how awesome it was. Yeah, I mean, that's music royalty right there. I mean, as much as I'm a big Star Trek fan and I love Jerry Goldsmith's themes, I don't know if he made as many memorable soundtracks as John Williams. I mean, I think he's the king of soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done so much. And then uh, it wasn't just John Williams, you know, as the the feature part of the show. Actually, I kind of, I guess you would kind of describe her as john williams muse as of late on sophie mooder she is a world-class and i mean world-class violinist i think she has every possible international accolade from every major symphony orchestra in the world she's won award after award she is basically the the john williams of violin playing (laughs) you know in, in in our modern world and and John Williams has worked with her on several occasions, including, you know, at the show uh, on Tuesday. They've recorded albums together. He has reorchestrated a lot of his songs so that it heavily features violin with her. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. And, and I could probably go on forever and ever about this, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it was just it was just the probably one of the greatest experiences of my life oh that's wonderful did you take a lot of pictures oh yeah plenty of pictures i'm sure you did did you post any i can't i i I, yes i do believe i did post several on facebook okay i'll go back and look at that because that would be that would be intense man to see see something like that and hear it yep yep absolutely yeah absolutely Yeah. So did, did your wife enjoy it as well? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, she's a big Star Wars fan too. So mm-hmm. I figured, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was a great night. But you know, I, I well, I guess before that, we, you and I, did something together over the weekend, actually, and uh, we went to the third of the year, the third Steel City Con in in Pittsburgh for the uh, December show. It was this past weekend. Featured quite a few cast reunions right i mean you had the cast of the of a christmas story 40 years later you had the cast of the original scream movie you had some cast members from charmed yeah it was it was a pretty crazy uh convention and they really pull out all the stops for the december one because that tends to be the busy one oh absolutely it's actually my personal favorite of the three per year because of that christmas vibe I love walking around and seeing people wearing different ugly sweaters based on their favorite movie genres. Mm-hmm. You know, there I can't tell you, there were probably at least two or three Merry Christmas, You Filthy Animal. A couple of those ones, I think that was Home Alone, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, wasn't there? I think there might have been one or two Yippee Kaye, whatever. <laughs> nice. Of course, you have your Star Trek, Star Wars ones that you see all the time too. But I mean, there were, it was. It's fun. There's a different air, like vibe in the air at the December one, which is really special. And then you see a lot of the characters that like, their cosplays are not only their favorite characters, but they're dressed up as, in Christmas gear. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, yeah. And I know on Saturday we kind of went our separate ways. We really didn't see each other at all during the show at all. So. I don't think you, yeah, you wouldn't, you didn't see my, the sweater that I wore on Saturday. You would have loved it. It is, <laughs> it was a, it was a Christmas sweater. It had Spock, Grogu, and Groot all on the same sweater. Oh man. <laughs> well, that. Do you have a picture of it? Yeah. I'll have to send it your way. Please do. Please do. Yes. My uh, wife and I actually ordered some ugly Christmas sweaters as well. So I have a Star Trek one coming. Uh, hopefully it'll be here before Christmas Day. But she also, for the first time, ordered one. It's a new Kids on the Block one. Nice. Yeah, so I'm sure your wife will probably want to see a picture of it. But yes, we haven't, we've been trying to track everything online, but I haven't heard about either order. In a few days. <laughs> so hopefully they'll be coming shortly. Those will be fun to wear with family. On yeah. Christmas, you know. But yeah. I was hoping to have it for yesterday because yesterday was my Christmas party for my Star Trek club, the Stella Parada. Mm-hmm. We had a really good time, but I ended up just wearing a basic hoodie instead. <laughs> but I mean, last year I wore a, a Star Trek ugly sweater that a friend of mine had mailed me, and but I grew out of it, unfortunately. Wow. So one of those situations, so I wasn't able to wear it this year. So, But hopefully next year I'll, I'll slim back down and I can get back into it. Plus, I, but this one I, that, that's coming, I made sure I bought it 4X. Nice. You know when you order things? Yes. Into a 4X, but you know you order that stuff online, you put it in the dryer, and then it shrinks two sizes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I made sure that I'm going to have comfort once it shrinks. That's right. That's right. There you go. So, That's important. Always, you know. <laughs> yes. I know we went up on a Christmas tangent. No, no, no. It's all right. That's all right. No, nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, but, yeah, Steel City Con was, was a lot of fun. The first... I, I, I've told people here before that I, I tend to think of myself as the king of bargain boxes. And I found action figures for cheap. Uh, I think I got a, the very last Star Trek first contact action figure, which was Picard in the spacesuit. I got it. Mm-hmm. For, I got it for 50% off. I got it for 250. Look at you go. That I got a couple. Let's see. What else did I get? Got a couple Star Trek books that were $5 a piece. Got this really great Star Trek metallic mug, like not a mug, but like a cup that you can put pens and stuff in. Mm-hmm. Got that for two dollars. Got a few of the old Star Trek ornaments from Hallmark. One of them was Voyager from 1996. I already have it, but I bought it so I could put it and display it in my office at work. Nice. Find some lights for that, and uh, got a couple of the Star Trek ornaments that I never had. The boxes were kind of beat up, but I don't care about that. The the ornaments all that matter. Right. Right. Yeah. So, but a whole bunch of other stuff on top of it. And so it, it was a really good time. Seeing the Christmas story panel was really, that was really cool. Seeing them all together. You can tell that they're still really a lot of, they're really good friends in real life. Right. This movie means something to them, even all these years later. I mean, absolutely. Just, I, <laughs> it's, it's incredible that the, the phenomenon of, of a Christmas story, you know, a movie that didn't do well at the box office and, you know, didn't do well once it was on home video, and it wasn't until the late '90s when TBS started playing it 24/7, year after year after year, that it became a cult classic. 
Exactly. What was really interesting, what they said was, is that all the other movies that TBS tried playing 24-hour marathons of failed. Yeah, I, I heard that. Or, yeah, that was that was an interesting part of the panel. I, I, I was not expecting that, and I didn't remember, you know, from years ago, <laughs> the, the, you know, the 24-hour marathons. But yeah, and, and you know what? It was it was really like I can't believe how they all look the same as they did in in a Christmas story, just older. Yes, very much so. The guy who played Flick was he's he's got a pretty good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was up, he was having a grand old time up there. They all were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the one who I think stayed the calmest the whole time was Peter Billingsley. He well, yeah. kind of seemed like the the. Well, you can tell he's the leader of the group, obviously, just by, you know, just because he was the lead. Mm-hmm. Like, he's Out of all of them, he seemed the, the calmest and most just kind of, not down to earth, but just kind of, I'm not sure how to word it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was just grounded, I guess is the, the, yeah. the best word to say. Yeah, I, I think he's one of the few of that cast who has consistently remained working in Hollywood. You know, he's he's a director, he's a producer, he's a writer. Yeah, so I, I just think he has that air of confidence and uh, about him that you know is is somebody who is a consummate professional in, in the world of film. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and it, it was it was just it was just nice to see them all together. Just as a little side note, three days after Steel City Con, they at the Cinemark Theater that right there at the mall, right next to the convention, was they they did the 40th anniversary re-release of a Christmas story. So my wife and I got to see it on the big screen for the first time. Nice. Were any of the the guys still around? No, not really. I think by this point it was Wednesday. I think everybody was long gone and th- there was only about 13 of us in the theater. I thought it was going to be packed. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was it's it just okay. It actually made it very nice cuz there weren't anybody talking or anything like that. It just was nice and peaceful and it was just great getting to see it so huge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? so that was cool did you see any other panels while you were there just the alec baldwin one okay what did you think of that one because I, I i missed that one he i actually thought it was pretty good it was interesting he brought his own person i guess you could say like to go on stage and be the the moder the moderator Kind of like what Kelsey Grammer did last uh, yeah. August, right? Yes, and I think it was, yeah, and that same guy who was with Kelsey Grammer was also there, but he sat off to the side. There was a different guy that was up on stage with Alec Baldwin. And I'm thinking part of the reason they did that is they didn't want us to go into the whole incident with on Rust. Oh, yeah, Rust yeah. Rust. Yeah, we were told very specifically, do not talk about his personal life at all. But what was really interesting was, even though we were told not to say anything about that, Alec Baldwin didn't bring that up, but he talked a lot about fake shootings and stuff on different sets he's been yeah. on. I would look at Brandy and I'm like, what the? Wow. I was surprised he was bringing that up. I mean, if, if you were him, though, wouldn't you address it head on? Why let people let their minds wander and about what they think about it and, and instead let him tackle it and address it right in front of the audience and own it? Yeah, well, it wasn't, he didn't bring Rust up specifically. He was just making general comments about how they have to do, like, shooting and, like, scenes and fake all that stuff in different Hollywood projects. Yeah, talking around it instead of directly addressing it. Nobody, nobody didn't know what he was talking about. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And, I mean, he was, he was very pleasant on stage. He even took a a large group selfie with the, with the crowd at the end. Nice. Nice. So he seemed like other people were posting pictures that they had gotten with him over the weekend. He seemed to have been very nice and cordial and 
you know, which, which, which was nice to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, some of the other panels I didn't get to go see. Yeah. Were you there? Did What time did you get there on Saturday? No, wait. Was it Saturday or I can't remember what if it was Friday or Saturday? McKenna Grace, the the girl that played Phoebe in Ghostbusters After Afterlife, and uh, will be picking up the role again in Frozen Empire. Oh uh, no, I didn't know that. the The girl that yeah you know, the the girl whose character was Egon's stepdaughter or Egon's granddaughter in the movie. Oh okay, I, you know what? I haven't seen the movie yet. Oh, oh well, yeah. I just I'm sorry, I just spoiled oh, something for you. That's okay. No, I knew that his granddaughter was going as a character in it. I knew that part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, nothing to worry about. Yeah, the actress that played her was at Steel City Con. She was doing autographs, photo ops, and she had a panel. And you could tell she was just so happy to be there. And she just she was so appreciative of every question. Like, you know, and and at for this panel, it was Friday because they had kind of changed up. They kind of went back to the traditional where, you know, you line up on either side of the room to ask questions. But for Friday, they were going around the room with the microphone. So, yeah, it was it was on Friday that her panel was. But like she wanted every person that asked a question to stand up so that she could, you know, see them and say hi. Like mm-hmm. she was just so happy to be there. And, and she's just she's she is such a fan of Ghostbusters. Like she was geeking out the whole time. It was so cool. Nice. Yeah, I think I caught like a tail end of her her thing when I went I went in to sit in the back. And I think she was on, and I just kind of missed it, but I didn't know who she was. Yeah. Blonde, blonde hair, right? That that was her? Yes, that was her. Okay. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I, I'll, I'm going to have to check out and see if I can find her panel on YouTube. I know a lot of times people post the panels on YouTube, so maybe I'll check it and give it a shot. But she, you said she's going to be in the new one. Yes, she'll be in the new one, same role. Cool. Okay, good. And And you have to see Ghostbusters afterlife man i'm telling you you will you will love it does it stand up along with the other two yes it does i think it does i think it's a great continuation because it does it it picks up you know years and years after the second ghostbusters film but it is in the canon it's in the you know it's in the timeline okay all right sounds good now just a, a quick question that that ghostbusters from 2016 that's not connected to these other three right no, no, it, it it that one was meant to be a reboot of the Ghostbusters franchise, and it okay. just didn't go anywhere because it was very terribly received. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I I heard that a lot of people didn't like it. I'm not sure if it's because it's of the cast. I think it's probably more of the story. Look, when Chris Hemsworth is the best part of the movie, and he's in about ten percent of it, you know you got issues. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never seen that one either, and I, I'll have to check it out just to see what the hype was all about, you know? Yeah. What people were saying. Look, it's it's from the director of Bridesmaids. It has, you know, several of the cast that was in Bridesmaids are the roles of the Ghostbusters. It seemed like it could work, but it just didn't. hmm Yeah. I think people were just too, were more interested in wanting to see the original group together and... You know, and you can't blame them again. For years, people wanted a Ghostbusters three, and it was in like development hell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so I guess that's really what people wanted. But show the third, this third movie show. There's still the audiences out there. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to talk about this one vendor in in Artist Lane that yeah. I, was really cool. I don't remember seeing her at some of the the previous shows. Her name is Heather Kreider, and actually, I interviewed her. So I uh, her. 
her clip should be on the GNN socials and TikTok somewhere, hopefully at some point. But I, you know, I, I interviewed her. She takes My Little Pony figure or, you know, characters and kind of gives them a dark and twisted side. Like right. they're very like, I, it's kind of like, yeah, she, she basically takes My Little Ponies and turns them into demons because the name of her business is My Little Demon. Oh, <laughs> and uh, it's just really cool. Like she's, you know, it's like basically she's kit bashing. If you're familiar with that, with what people do sometimes with action figures, right? You yeah. know, they they take them and they swap parts and make make custom action figures, and that's kind of what she does. But she uses My Little Pony, and then she has this other line that she started called Horrific Park, and it's a it's a riff on Jurassic Park, and what she does is whenever Jurassic World released, they had these like young kids toys, like maybe like the three to six year age range called Imagine Next. And they were these little like cute T-Rex things. And they were kind of like, I guess it's kind of like if Weeble Wobbles met a dinosaur, you know, toy that you'd find on a store shelf. It was just like these cute little dinosaurs. And what she does is she takes those dinosaurs and paints them and turns them into horror movie slashers like Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers, you know, all of those. And I just it it, it was it caught my eye and because that is that is right up my alley. So they, I, I, I had to stop and, and see if she was willing to talk about her business. And she was and she was just really cool. So. If you if you go to GNN's TikToks and you know or Facebook and find our reels, it should be there hopefully. But it was a, it was a cool interview. Nice. So uh, any anything else that you have to say about Steel City Con? You know, to be honest with you, not really. For me, it was just kind of a general Steel City Con. I just saw the two panels, and I did mostly a bunch of shopping. And one thing that I'm happy about though is they got the crowds under control. Mm-hmm. Saturday, we could finally move through without having panic attacks. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, it was still busy on Saturday, but yeah, it was it was better than previous <laughs> December shows. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, what about you? Any last minute thoughts on the show? Just the last thing, I, and I know I've been on record saying this on this podcast before, and maybe it's just me going soft in my old age, but Kylie and I did our first professional photo op with a star. We actually, well, actually, I should say we did with two stars. We took a professional photograph with Ming-Na Wen and Giancarlo Esposito, which was called the Mandalorian duo. So, you know, we got to meet Fennec Shand and Moff Gideon. So that was a lot of fun. That's a really cool picture. Now, you did, I did see that one that you posted on Facebook. That was really nice. You two look like lit up like Christmas trees in that picture. It just looks, it, it was, ex- the genuine excitedness was there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I remember you telling me when you met William Shatner for your photo and you had that brief moment just to say something and you were like, I like your shirt. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I kept thinking of that in my mind as I was approaching the line and, I was, and you, know, my, you know, I had my one chance to say something and Giancarlo Esposito was dressed in like a sports jacket, slacks, and he had a night, like a tweed bowler cap on. And I was like, I, I feel a little underdressed for this. <laughs> Really? <laughs> that was my line. <laughs> His response was, nah, you look great. Cool. So you had your William Shatner moment right there. <laughs> yes, yes. They actually mirror each other. 
Yeah, yeah, in a way. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you guys. I mean, I know you had said that that wasn't really your thing, but this time it, w- it was something special for both of you. Yeah, yeah, it was something that we definitely had wanted to do. Kylie really wanted to, you know, get a chance to to just meet her, and I think in a future show we. If she was at a future show, we'd maybe do an autograph, so you know, because you get a little more time to interact with them. Sure. So plus, you can pay for a selfie with them at the table too. Right. Right. So maybe we'll do that in the future. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if I have the bug for photo ops or autographs yet, but you know that remains to be seen. Yeah. Give it time. As you look at it, it might grow. Yeah. All right. So I think that's enough about steel city con you know we we had a great time both of us you got your merch as usual and i got some pretty good uh content you know i I filmed some stuff from the panels and and that should be on gnn socials there should be all kind of stuff so to check out our coverage of steel city con uh after you listen to this episode by hitting up those gnn socials but on that note we're going to move on to the the main topic of our episode today and that is a look back at what we loved most about Star Wars and Star Trek in 2023, and then a look forward at our most anticipated upcoming projects in 2024 from both franchises. So, Chris, you want to kick us off? I'll let it up to you if you want to talk Trek or Wars first in 2023. Well, you know, well, I'll, I'll start with Trek since we it, basically we started the year out with the third season of Star Trek Picard which had a lot of positive praise from fans, from critics. It, it just it was a, a wonderful, perfect reunion of the Next Generation cast having one big final adventure together with a sprinkle of, of some of our other characters that we've known over the years, like Seven and Nine, and seeing what she's been up to, and Raffi, and getting to see the Enterprise D come back. I mean, that, I mean just that for those 10 weeks, like every day I was like, is, is it Thursday already? Is it Thursday mm-hmm. already? You know, because it was just each episode just left you wanting more and more and more. And the hour would be up in 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. I mean, where <laughs> where do you begin talking about Picard season three? I mean, this was my most loved thing about 2023 in, in Trek as well. So oh, I had a feeling you and I would agree on this one, honestly. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just the fact that, that you saw got a lot of little wishful things that the fans have been wanting over the years. We finally got like a. Behind the scenes, Picard and Crusher romance, and that which led to them having a child. We got some inf- more clarification on this irremotic syndrome that they were hinting at at the end of the Next Generation and it, during the first season of Picard. And we find out that it really wasn't irremotic syndrome, but it was some sort of Borg virus that was implanted in Picard and got passed on in his DNA into Jack, which is why he was having all these weird hallucinations. And finally, we realized that the Borg Queen was actually had a connection to him and was calling him to be her equal, like Picard was when he was Locutus. Mm -hmm. And actually getting to see Picard finally defeat the Borg Queen once and for all and having the crew reunite. And and they got the Enterprise D back, which was was really incredible to see the ship. And they finally got, instead of it ending with the ship being just destroyed and not knowing what happened to it, got rebuilt. And it's actually now in the Fleet Museum where it belonged, where it deserved to be. Right. Right, and that, I, I loved how they justified bringing the Enterprise D back. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like the equivalent of a an, you know a, a manual transmission versus an automatic transmission, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you have to go old school and, and or well, analog versus digital, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. You know, either either one is an apt comparison, but 
you know that that was the only way that they could defeat the Borg is, is by being disconnected from the 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 web that exactly. united all the Starfleet vessels together, the modern ones. Exactly, and then just some of the things that they added in there for the fans are just bringing Ro Laren back. And finally having a, a conclusion to her story. Heck, they even brought Shelby back. Now she was an admiral. But it was very interesting in the, the fact that Shelby was basically in command of this fleet that networked the entire fleet into one when she was the one fighting the Borg 30 years earlier. So you would think that she would have been like, I don't think we should have our ships connected, kind of like a little Borg collective. Mm-hmm. You know, but she was the one on board with it. And then she gets killed as a result. Yeah. Which was kind of ironic. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just. It- it was just such a an example of the the most compelling TV I've seen this year, probably. Yes. Honestly, I mean, there's other shows out there that I haven't seen that are probably more compelling than Star Trek Picard season three was, but I just haven't watched them yet, so oh. uh, you know, I can't speak to that. But you know, I, just having having Terry Metalis come in and write and and sh- you know be the showrunner for this season was exactly what Star Trek needed. I mean. You know, somebody who had such a love for Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and even Voyager, right? You know, all of the Trek that we got in the 90s and early 2000s. And, you know, it's just, you know, we got to see a true finale, a true ending for a lot of these characters that, you know, a lot of fans after Star Trek Nemesis were like, that's all we get. Exactly. And I know that's one of your favorites, but, you know. I do. Yeah, and I know that's one of your favorites, and I and I don't have anything really against it either. I just it's been a long time since I watched it, but yeah, it just wasn't a satisfying ending to that no, uh, crew. Absolutely not. And the way they brought Data back was just phenomenal. Yes, and yeah. they finally brought the character all the way around. Now that he's back, he's in that golem body, and he finally got to achieve his goal of being human. Basically, right? The body gives him all the emotions, all the feels, everything. You know, which was really nice. And then we got to see Riker and Troy. We saw that they were having some marital discourse, but they were able to pull themselves back together. We saw Dr. Crusher getting to kick some butt with the Borg cube with the Enterprise at the, at the end of the end of the series, which was really fun. You don't usually expect to see Dr. Crusher firing phasers and photon torpedoes. And she was flinging that ship around like the Millennium Falcon <laughs> in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Flying through the Borg cube. It was just it was just amazing. And one thing that they were saying. I was worried about, I should say, is worried they were going to kill off some of the characters, which I wouldn't have been totally upset with simply because this this is probably like the last hurrah and would have given some conclusions to the characters. But I love the fact that they're all still alive and they're all together playing poker at the end of the series. Yes, yes. I mean, and why not end the show that way? That is a a, a perfect ending. And it is, is, uh, you know, a lot of what was so unique about Next Generation you know, seeing the crew playing poker was just such a, a, a wonderful, you know, anytime that happened on screen, you were like, yep. Exactly. No, it, yep. fit, it fit the group perfectly. It was a uh-huh. callback to the finale of Next Generation. They just amplified it more because they were all playing. We got to see more of it. Yes. And we saw Worf, of course, was losing like he always does. <laughs> you know, always Worf's always losing or always needs four cards, you know? Right, right. So. But the other thing that was really good about it was uh, you were going back to Terry Metalis and his love for the next generation. Mm-hmm. But I think he, it also expanded on that because it showed a love of the franchise that he had. I mean, we, we go back, if you look, even look at the Fleet Museum. We got a lot of answers to what happened to a lot of classic ships. Mm-hmm. So we see 
Enterprise from Enterprise, but we actually see it in its refit that they were planning on doing in season five. Yeah. So now that's happened. We see an old school Constitution class ship there that doesn't look like the strange New Worlds one. It looks like supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. It was really nice to see. We found out what happened to the Enterprise A. We found out what happened to the Klingon, the HMS Bounty that was there. Kronos One was there. And I'll be honest with you, this actually teared me up more than seeing the Enterprise D bridge. When Seven and I was talking to Jack Crusher about Voyager, mm-hmm. and you could just see the tears in her eyes, the right. love that she had for that ship and crew. I just, that, that is probably one of the most touching scenes for me the whole season long. You know, to show, to see that how much that when she first got on Voyager, how much she hated that, that she was separated from the Borg collective. And then she despised being human. Then we saw her become human as this as series went on. And then you see now how much that, that crew, that ship meant to her those four years she was on it. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that we're still talking so lovingly about this show, what, five, six months after it wrapped up is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was it was a true it felt it, i mean trek was back right yes and that's you know people were saying oh it's full of member berries and stuff it needed to have it yeah this season needed it that was the whole point of it was to have all these callbacks and so that the conclusions would be satisfied correct yes so but my last little comment on it is i did buy the third season on blu-ray steelbook a couple of months ago Nice. I, I don't have a Blu-ray player in my man cave. Maybe with Christmas, I'll get a Blu-ray player. Let's yeah. I mean, yeah, they're cheap now, so. Oh, yeah, they're not. They're nothing. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to be doing a complete rewatch of that as soon as that happens. Very cool. Yeah, buy that physical media, man, because you never know yeah. what what might happen to shows. Nothing. I mean, you know, when, when they first talked about streaming, it was going to be, you know, nothing ever disappears, right? It's always yeah. once it once it's there, it's there for life. And then when streaming services are starting to uh, hemorrhage money year over year, quarter over quarter, they end up writing things off, right? They, <laughs> you know, they, they write something off and then it has to disappear from the service so that they can take the loss, right? It's this, that's, this is the world we're living in now. Uh, the streaming bubble is, is certainly collapsing. So buy that physical media, guys, if you, yeah. if you love something, because yeah, it, it's things you love could disappear. Exactly. All right, I'll get off my physical media soapbox now. <laughs> Was there anything else from Star Trek in 2023 that you wanted to talk about? The other thing I really enjoyed was seeing Lower Decks back for its fourth season. Now, yeah. I, I will say that even though I'm a big Star Trek fan, I have not watched every episode of Lower Decks, which is weird for me. Because because I'm such a nerd of with all this, but I'm not a big fan. I have a hard time staying focused on watching stuff on the computer. As yeah, it might sound sure. I guess I'm the product of you know the 80s and 90s. You know, watching VHS and everything on our TVs. So I mean, I've rented them out and have caught up a little bit. But the fourth season, I didn't. I enjoyed the episodes that I saw. What I really liked about it was the overarching storyline if there's this weird alien vessel going around attacking randomly attacking and just dest- appear to be destroying all these ships but what was really neat is we actually got to find out what happened to nick lacarno from the next generation who's yeah this season episode i believe what was it called the last flight or the next flight or I yeah something something like that and that's where wesley crusher and, and nick lacarno and their nova squadron performed what was called a kobold call Colbert Starburst, I believe it was called, and it caused the death of a cadet. 
because it was actually that move was outlaw, but they decided mm-hmm. they were going to do it so that they could surprise the the attendees at graduation. And yes. uh, they lied about the whole the whole scenario, and Wesley finally turned them all in. Nick Locarno got kicked out of Starfleet. So we find out that he basically kind of went rogue and was kind of creating his own little separate fleet for, I can't remember the exact reasons, but I know that he ended up in the end, he ended up getting hands on a Genesis torpedo, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which was kind of odd. You, you would think that after what happened with Genesis, that would have been completely outlawed, but I guess Starfleet never learns. And so they created another torpedo and apparently looked look, look like Nick Locarno was trying to shut down the Genesis device. Yes. Frangi had, I guess the Frangi were the ones who had it and they put a paywall up. So he basically was being asked to pay to shut it down. I don't know if there's a new planet or what. But I'm hoping they'll pick up on that in season five. But like I said, even though I hadn't gotten to watch all season four, I did like that overarching thread through the episodes I did see. Yeah. And, and I, I thought now in, in Next Generation, it was Next Generation, right? With the character? Yes. Nick yes. Clark. So who played him in the... in? TNG. It wasn't Robert Duncan McNeil, was it? Yes, it was. Oh, okay. So he did reprise his role, yeah. uh, you know, doing the voice acting for the for yes. the character this season. Okay, yes, and that's why they were making the jokes in the episodes. About yes, him, like Tom Parrot. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you watch the Ferengi episode? No, that. Oh my gosh! Do you know what? Now that I'm up in my man cave and I had the laptop up, when we're done recording tonight, I think I'm going to put it on. I okay. Rom and Lita were in it. Yes, yes, exactly. I, I mean, this this geek this 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 Deep Space Nine geek was so happy when that episode was on when we watched it. So exciting! <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad that we still have the actors that come back and, re- and reprise these characters, right? And you can tell they how much they loved these characters all those years ago. The fact that they're still coming back and playing them and talking about them. So I'm sure I'm sure it was a good episode. Yeah, and I mean, it would have been nice to see Nog, but. You know, of course, we we lost Aaron Eisenberg, but that would have been, you know, that would have been just that would have been the icing on, you know, more icing on the the the, the already delicious cake. Yes. <laughs> if you don't mind, I have a real quick story about Aaron Eisenberg. Yeah, go for it. Um, so it wasn't I never got to meet him at any of the conventions. Two months before he died, we were at, at Star Trek Las Vegas in 2019, mm-hmm. and there was some sort of virtual reality game that was being advertised. And I was waiting in line, and I was next up to, to play it, and he comes walking in the room, and they shut, <laughs> nice. the, whole, the, they shut the whole line down to let him play it. <laughs> and he kept playing and playing and playing, and, and I'm, I'm like, oh, Grace, this is great. I get to see Nog doing this, but at the same time, I'm like, you just fucking took my turn, dude. <laughs> You know, so I was just like, oh, man, you know, but I mean, and so I, I finally I just walked out because I didn't know how long they were going to have him doing it. Yeah. Then it was just and then two months later, he was gone. I actually right. cried when he when he died, because you know, it was it was at that time it was it was the actual first Deep Space Nine recurring or regular actor who had passed away. Mm-hmm. So, and Deep Space Nine was the first next, Star Trek series I was able to watch all the way through because I was old enough to. You know, I was I was in sixth grade when ne- when Deep Space Nine premiered, and I was, <laughs> Nog has always been my favorite of the characters, the, the recurring characters. There was so much growth with that character, right? I know, with him being that little petty criminal to being this decorated Starfleet war hero at the end, who, with who's a lieutenant. You know, and he, yeah, he's like a genuine decent guy all the way around, and just for like, sure, 
you know, to see him lost like that. And just two months after I saw him healthy, yeah. you know, it was odd. Very yeah. Odd. But, you know, at least you got to see him. At least you had that experience. You know, it was it, so close to, to his final days. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, if anybody was going to take my turn, if, 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 if for the VR simulator, it was him. Yes. That's cool. That's, that's a cool little side story. Yep. Absolutely. I can't remember if you've told that story in the past or not, but it's, I mean, it's still amazing every time. I think <laughs> I did. It was in one of our earliest episodes. It, probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So anything else from Star Trek that you wanted to bring up from 2023 or should we move on to the wars? Well, you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything else from Star Trek. I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah, the only real story that this is kind of a sad story, though, is that I guess Playmates isn't going to be doing the Star Trek action figure line anymore again. What? That's what I just heard about two weeks ago was on Trek Core. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, like, when I first got some of the new figures, I yeah. really, I liked them. I didn't think they were as good as the ones from the 90s. Oh, okay. But as I've been, as they've been sitting on my shelves in here, they're really loose and don't stand very well. I actually oh. have, have Khan stand, standing on my top of my TV in my main yeah. cave. And I can't tell you how many times he's fallen over like he's been drunk. It's <laughs> a shame. Yeah. over and then he just flops over like you know like he's he's like drunk on tequila or something okay and they're very loose and uh they just they just are not sturdy like the other ones were and then i do have the enterprise the original enterprise that they they made which the, the ship itself is great mm -hmm. stand that they have it on though is cheap yeah go figure very wobbly it's not like the ones in the 90s where they were hard you know right Right. But, you know, basically the action figures are about the same price now as they were then, maybe a couple dollars more. But, you yeah. know, everything has gone up in manufacturing costs. So, yeah, you're you're getting inferior products for, you know, not a whole lot more, but you're still getting an inferior product compared to the 90s. Exactly. Exactly. That's a shame. It, it, it's sad. I mean, cause we, it was exciting to see them back. Now, I did hear a rumor that they're going to keep making ships and role play accessories, but I think the figures are done. Okay, well, at least they yeah. get something, you know, they get exactly. to keep the license for a little while. Yeah. Cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about the, the our favorite things from Star Wars in 2023. I'll kick this one off, and I know, I know, Chris, you're not a gamer, but I, I you know, several times on, on our early episodes of uh, this year, I was so excited for Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is the uh, the second game in the Star Wars Jedi series on on xbox and playstation and yeah I, I am happy to say that it definitely lived up to my expectations i i just want to highlight a few of the things that i really loved about that game this year just just playing it there was this like about a third of the way through the game there is one of the most exciting and nail-biting and frustrating sequences in all of video games and i loved every minute of it so you are in the game, you're Cal Kestis. He's a survivor of Order 66. He was a Padawan. He watched his master killed in front of him, and he had to escape and survive and you know uh, hide from the Empire. In the first game, he meets up with Marin, who, like Cal, is a survivor as well. But she was one of the Night Sisters, and she survived the Night Sisters' execution at the hands of, of, you know, of Palpatine in Clone Wars. Somehow she survived and, you know, she turns up in the game and you befriend her and she becomes part of your crew. 
but in the second game you uh, there's a there's a section of the game where she accompanies you and it's like this sequence is like an it's kind of like a it's an interactive cutscene where you have you know timed button presses while you're playing through the game it's like you know it's cinematic but you have to you know pay attention because you have to hit buttons to keep things going and it was just the sequence where your Marin has the ability to teleport all across the map and then she takes you on these teleports with her and you have to hit the button prompts and you're like taking out this imperial installation at the end it is just like one of the craziest set pieces in video games i've ever played <laughs> i don't even know if i'm describing it well enough to do it justice but yeah and you know because this another thing you know because this game is considered canon right the story of this game is considered canon it fits into the narrative that the disney and lucasfilm have been building since 2014 do you remember the in Obi-Wan series the the hidden path? Yeah. You know, they were they were rescuing the the Jedi and other force sensitives kind of like an underground railroad? Yeah. Well, that's in this game too. Oh, cool. So it makes an appearance in this game. That's a that's a heavy kind of story thread that runs through the game uh that you find out and then, you know, with with the other thing that's going on in Star Wars with the High Republic, you know, that that whole publishing initiative that's books, comics, and all that, and like all that kind of stuff, that, you know, a lot of the, the, the things in the High Republic make appearances in the game too. So it's, I love how this game is connecting stuff that we've seen in all of Star Wars, you know, oh. from, from, you know, from TV to video game to, to printed word. It's, I, I love the synergy and, and it was great how that story brought all of that together. And then, uh, oh, whew. I guess the the other really cool thing about the game that I really enjoyed is towards the end of the game, you know, this the story of this game is very dark. You know, it's it's the middle chapter of a trilogy, much like Empire Strikes Back was a very dark film. The 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 narrative in Jedi Survivor is also very dark. You know, and, and it's a lot of you know, Cal is tempted by the dark side of the Force throughout the game. And eventually there's a point in the game where you are forced to tap into the dark side to, to mm -hmm. progress. But from that point forward, after you're forced to use the dark side, the game gives you the choice, right? For the rest of the game, do you want to follow the Jedi path and, and make it, you know, play the play through the, the last several sections of the game where the enemies are much more difficult. They're the most difficult enemies you've faced up to this point. They have better, you know, they have more health. They take, they're harder to take out, you know. So do you continue to, to use your Jedi abilities or do you tap the dark side button and just obliterate everything in the room? Oh, wow. Right? So you have that choice and that's always hovering there. You can just, with, a, with the press of one of the buttons on your controller, you can tap into the dark side. So... You know, it's it's kind of like it echoes Yoda's words in Empire Strikes Back, you know, that the dark side isn't stronger, but it's quicker, it's easier, it's more seductive. And that, that ability is right there at all times in that last section of the game to just tap into it. So, mm -hmm. you know, do you or don't you? Wow. That's a really cool twist to the game. Right? Definitely. The, the, the one thing it didn't do is have any, you know, consequences on the ending of the game, tapping into the dark side, to my knowledge. I don't think there were special endings or anything like that, you know, that you got if you didn't use the dark side. So okay. maybe, maybe, you know, in a future game, they could potentially add some consequences. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. Because they are doing one more game in the series, at least. Oh, nice. When's that one supposed to come out? 
Oh, it. I mean, with the way the games develop now, it probably won't be for another three to four years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It'll be a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be a while. Considering the game just came out in 2023, I wouldn't expect a new one until 2026 at the earliest. Okay. So, all right. I know, okay, I've I've kind of droned on and on about Jedi Survivor, <laughs> and I and <laughs> and I know you're not a gamer, so I know you really didn't have a whole lot you could really offer to the discussion. So I want to give you a chance to to talk about your favorite things uh, from Star Wars in 2023. So floor is yours, sir. If I remember, wasn't the Bad Batch didn't that premiere this year? We did get season two of the Bad Batch. Yeah, like I want to say it was February. Yeah, I knew it was way right around Picard time, I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. It's been a while since I've watched any of the episodes, so I don't remember a whole lot about all of them. But I did do a rewatch of two of them that were around like episode seven or eight with the the treatment of the clones that the Empire wants to phase them out and retire them and, and, and replace them with the, the storm mm-hmm. and voluntarily join them. And basically them trying to this this one senator trying to get rights for the clones but also trying to unravel the the hidden mystery of what happened on Camino. right but yeah the, the imperial senate was basically told that there was some sort of storm that destroyed Topoka city or whatever but it's discovered that i guess obviously we know the empire destroyed the city to to keep the the the, the clone secrets mm-hmm. was was that right the clone secrets they were trying to Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I thought, and I, what I really loved about the ending of the second part is it was Admiral Rampart was his name, correct? Correct. Okay. And basically, so we know he was the one who responsible for the attack, but the emperor comes up out of nowhere, which I guess he doesn't come to the Senate very much. He basically <laughs> threw Rampart under the bus. Right. It was, it was the way they, the story had it written is it, Palpatine's a, a, is perfect when it comes to calculating and twisting things. Oh yeah, I mean, and he's always thinking how many steps ahead. Abs- that's why he's my favorite villain, even over Vader, because it's just the the mental stuff that he's capable of of twisting things. It's, it's, he's just unreal. But I mean, I can't remember how they threw him under the bus, but basically they they said that he was responsible for it and it was against orders or whatever, and he ended up getting carted away. You know, but it, that was yeah. it, that was probably the most interesting out of the, all the season episodes I enjoyed. I did also enjoy the the finale. I did feel bad. Obviously, we lost. Which was it? Tech. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah. I'm I'm wondering how that's going to play out going into season three. Are we going to find find out somehow that he survived? Or I mean, I can't really see how when he fell from like <laughs> yeah. High, but you never you never know. People have a way of creating things and. Right. I mean, didn't the didn't they find his body? Didn't the Empire find his body and take it away? Maybe they did. See, I I have to do a rewatch of. Yeah, um, it, it's been so long. It, it seems February seems like so long ago. It does. It really. <laughs> yeah, it was ten months ago. Hard to believe. Yeah, you know. So, but yeah, just so who knows? Maybe they'll resurrect him in some way. I still want to find out. There was like, a, wasn't there? A, there was a female character at the end, wasn't she? Also a clone, or she was in bed. Yes, yes. Tech space, or I mean, not tech. I'm sorry. Omega. Omega's half sibling, right? A sister. I believe that's yeah. Yeah. Was yeah, yeah. And then the third season is the final season of the show, and yeah. I have no idea when we're getting it because nothing has been announced for 2024 about Bad Batch. Exactly. Yeah. As of as of now, I think it's what only skeleton crew and the acolyte. 
Yeah, and we haven't even got anything confirmed for certain about Skeleton. Oh, no, 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 no. They did. Yes, they have confirmed the Skeleton crew is coming at some point in 2024. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I feel bad that the Bad Batch will be ending after season three. It's a good show, good, interesting characters. We're getting to see the very early years of the Empire, which, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. There were a couple episodes, and I know you don't like this word, but there were a couple episodes I thought were filler, really <laughs> weren't interesting to me. But some of those basic ones I told you about the overall story arc I thought was really cool. And I'm loving, I can't wait to see what happens. I'm hoping this is in season three, where we finally see the clones phased out and shut out once and for all, and how that happens. Right, right, yeah. It's a very big, interesting question mark that's never been shown before. I'm dying to see how that goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they wrap that up, because, you know, you could, in, in season two, they were starting the conscription of, of citizens of the Empire. Yes, absolutely. And I think, didn't we actually see the very first Stormtrooper uniforms that we've never seen before? Correct, yes. Yeah, we thought that they were just the ones that we've always seen, but no, they they had something pre-that, which was really, it was interesting to see. So, yeah, that's that's the unique part about the Bad Batch, is just getting to see this very early Empire, this phase getting filled in. And and it's it's just been fascinating, so I can't wait for the next season. I've got one more thing from Star Wars in 2023 that I want to bring up, and then we can move on to what we're excited for in 2024. Ahsoka, we got the Ahsoka series this year, and, you know, I know you and I have talked offline about this, and, you know, I was kind of lukewarm on the show, but, you know, I, I really, really, really liked the fact that, you know, that we got the character of Balin Skull in yeah. that show. He was easily the most compelling thing about that series for me. You know, he was he was intriguing brilliantly and and brilliantly portrayed by Ray Stevenson and it's so so sad that we lost him this year and we don't get to see what becomes of the character or maybe we do I don't know I don't know if they'll find some way to work it out I I have no clue but just you know a former Jedi he essentially you know survives order 66 and essentially is a, a mercenary for the empire right he's a mercenary for hire but he uses his Jedi abilities so, you know, it's revealed that he's working for Morgan Elsbeth and Grand Admiral Thawne, but yet it seems like he has his own motivations. And the only way that he could realize those is by working with Thrawn and Elsbeth. Mm-hmm. I, I just, this so, such a brilliantly written character and easily one of, if not the best thing about Ahsoka. Right, absolutely. Now, is Ahsoka, a re, has it been renewed for season two? Do we know that? I don't think it's been renewed for season two. I know Dave Filoni has certainly given a season two a thought. I'm sure he, ha- I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he has the season sketched out already, knowing mm-hmm. him. Sure. I'm t- oh, actually, you know what? Going back to our Still City Con discussion of Ming-Na Wen, I learned a fact that just completely blew my mind at Still City Con. Did you know Ming-Na Wen is from Pittsburgh? Yes. Okay. Now, did you know that although they were a few years apart, Dave Filoni and Ming-Na Wen went to the same high school? That I did not know. <laughs> they both went to Mount Lebanon High School. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. She's a little bit older than Dave, but <laughs> I was I was just blown away. That is that's really neat to hear. Yeah, didn't she? She went to Carnegie Mellon for college, right? She did. She did. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. The whole thing about Dave, Fil- I didn't know. Wow. Okay. Yeah, actually, at her her panel, Still City Con, she was wearing a CMU jacket. 
Good for her. <laughs> so she must have been happy to be back in her hometown. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Give her a little high there. Yeah. Well, her family, uh, her family, her brother and brother-in-law maybe took over and run their parents' Chinese restaurant. Still oh, wow. to this day. Yeah. Okay. Where's that at? I think it's called Chinatown Inn. If I if I'm correct, I I'm not sure exactly where it is. Okay. But I think it's called Chinatown Inn. Okay. Wow, that's that's really neat to know. Right? Sorry, completely got distracted <laughs> and off on a tangent like we're wont to do. <laughs> you know what though? But that's what makes I think it, that's what makes these discussions fun. For sure. Seeing all the little things. Yeah. So we were talking Balin Skull and Ahsoka before we got distracted. So yeah, Dave Filoni, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a second season sketched out. We just don't have confirmation that it's happening. Exactly. And the reason why I'm asking that is, is because I, there is a season two. I can't see how they can't, they're going to, they can write that character out. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it, the character is too important to the story. For sure. You know, so, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of actors who could fill that role and look very similar. Of course, they'll never get the performance we got from Ray Stevenson, but, you know, the character's too important. Right, right. To not include. Oh, absolutely. I I just don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah. And and considering that Ahsoka and Sabine are on the same planet with him. Yes. In in the 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 galaxy that's not the Star Wars galaxy yes. <laughs> that we are led to believe. Yes, exactly. And that's a lot of fun. The fact that they actually went out of the galaxy for the first time. Right. I mean, you figure our even our own world has multiple galaxies. So exactly. Why isn't it conceivable that Star Wars also has multiple galaxies? Exactly. Yeah, it, it's really cool. And it was the part of the fun of this to see was to see what happened with Ezra and with with Thrawn. And you saw all the with, with the stormtroopers had all that red, whatever it was. Was, was that was that like paint or was that like like ribbon that they wore like symbolically or no, they were basically reanimated stormtroopers. I think that was just the, the like a, a visual indication that they weren't that they were undead essentially. Is that what that okay? I yeah. gotcha. I gotcha. I know that they had hinted at like undead stormtroopers and stuff. I didn't know that basically they essentially were. Yes, yes, they absolutely were. Yeah. So we got stormtroopers as zombies in, in the Star Wars galaxy. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if that goes on what what Ezra's story is going to be like, what kind of knowledge from the other galaxy that he brings to the Republic, and seeing what how Ahsoka and Sabine what their new role is going to be on this new planet. Mm-hmm. If they can just take the the whole the whole show is going to go in a different direction with a lot of the focus being in that new galaxy and on that planet. Plus, we get to, we got to learn a lot more about the Night Sisters of Dathomir. That was mm-hmm. pretty, that was good. They're, they've always been kind of an interesting little sect in, in the Star Wars lore. Oh yeah, it's, it's. I mean, just like with you know different people that ha- that can tap into the Force, right? You yeah. know, the the Jedi is essentially a religion, right? It's it. You know, the Force. I don't know. This is a crude comparison, but think of the Force as Christianity, and think of the Jedi as Baptists or Methodists, or you know, a a just a you know a Christian faith. You know, but they're they're an organized they're an organization within. The religion of the force right but you've got you know you had the oh i'm blanking on what they are called in rogue one the the ones that guarded the 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 jedi oh the with no 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 the wills the guardians of the wills yes 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 the guardians of the wills that's also essentially you know another religion 
that that follows the force. Mm-hmm. So the Night Sisters are no different than you know a, a different sect that you know that taps into the dark side of the force, much like the Sith do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So it'll be. I can't wait to see more of how their their story grows with everything. I mean, oh, for sure. You know. So now. I do have a question outside of Ahsoka for you. Yeah. What did you think of Mandalorian season three? I would say that it was of the season threes that we got this year. It was certainly the most inferior. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it, it was, it was a weak season overall. Like, I mean, there was some cool stuff in it. I'm glad we kind of got to see, you know, some resolution for Mandalore, you know, after, uh, after the Night of a Thousand Tears, you know, and, and the Empire's massacre and what they thought, you know, they thought they had raised the planet to the point that it was no longer viable to live on, yet it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made some discoveries and they were able to fight off the Empire. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I liked some of the things that we got story-wise. I just think that the the episodes as a whole were kind of middling. No, I, I agree with you on that. It's just... I think, and I've said this in a previous episode earlier this year, I think part of it too was it was airing at the same time as Picard season three. Yeah. And I think Picard season three, because it was so, it seemed so superior in terms of quality. I think Mandalorian kind of got lost in that. Oh, absolutely. So is it fair to say that, you know, considering that the holidays are coming up here, that they were giving a lump of coal to Mandalorian season three? I would say, yeah, I would say so. After the first yeah. two seasons, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that they'll have one more one more season of it. I know there's there's stuff online that's saying it's, it could be a movie. But, I mean, if you think about it, the ending of season three with, with Mando and Grogu basically becoming father and son and living mm-hmm. in a house together, and, I, and Mando's got, what, that, that new, like, sheriff job or whatever. Yes. They could easily end it right there. But I guess right. there'll be a little more story to tell. Right. Yeah, for sure. Do you have anything else about Star Wars in 2023, or should we start our look ahead? I think we should look ahead. Okay, let's talk about Star Trek, because let's be let's be honest, there ain't much. Exactly. I mean, I know that the production of Season 3 of Strange New Worlds has, ju- has basically just started. They, there have been a couple of pictures online of, of the clapboard, of, of, and nothing beyond that, nothing really, but just reports. Right. And yeah, you know, the writer and actor strike, of course, you know, that, uh, you know, that kind of delayed everything. Yeah. You know, I'm not kind of talking about Strange New Worlds. I didn't, I actually didn't bring that up in our 2023 review. Yeah, that's all right. But you know what, to be honest with you, I'm not, and you know where I stand in terms of like continuity and stuff like that. So Strange New Worlds, and I'm not, this isn't a secret for me. I don't, I, it just, it, it doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, that's fair. You know, yeah. the, with the story changes and the look, I mean, I, the looks and everything, it's just, it's just, I don't feel connection. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good show. I did watch some of the episodes. It's, it stands good for what it is. You know, if I, I would, I think I would enjoy it more if they actually said, you know what, this is a separate kind of alternate reality, something like that. And they could do whatever they want, but I don't have any ill will toward the show. I just, I have no real excitement for it. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of goes along the lines here for, discovery season five you know i think right now really that's the only major thing that's confirmed right right and i mean i i do like i you know i've been looking up a little bit about it now that we're you know we're closer and closer to its premiere Uh i i do like 
the at least you know on the surface i like the direction it seems to be going to, to for its final season you know it's going to be less about these freaking universe shattering stakes where you know if they don't solve the crisis the whole world gets blown up you know i'm kind of over that you know four seasons of that and that's enough yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I, I do like how you know we've gotten some word from from the ep and producing director olatunde osunsami that the fifth season would be a little bit more inspired by themes and storytelling approach in the from the original series and png you know with a focus more on exploration and adventure and i know i know it looks like jonathan frakes had made some comments so it, you know undoubtedly he's directing at least an episode or two oh, in cool. the final season you know he said it's uh he likens it to the Indiana Jones franchise rather than the quote unquote heavy emo tone of the fourth season. Okay. Well, then I, at least maybe they're, they're going in the right direction. They just waited five seasons too long to do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, again, and we've said this before, the show is called Star Trek Discovery and fans for four seasons have been saying, let's go discover something. Right. You know, I mean, there are little, little explorations here and there, but I mean, you're right. It had these earth shattering or universe shattering plots and, and twists and turns that people just want exploration and their star trek yeah that's a big component of it that's why it's called star trek <laughs> right right you know, so you know so i'm glad that they'll they'll end it personally i probably i don't know if i'm gonna watch it or not i i'm again it, it's i don't have anything against the cast or the characters any of that kind of stuff sure it again goes back for me with strange new worlds it just never matched from the beginning if they would have started in the 32nd century i think i would have been totally on board with it Right. Well, I mean, you can kind of pretend that that set, the first and second seasons don't exist, exactly. really. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, know what you I know what you mean. I mean, I only watched like three episodes of season three and I haven't touched season four. And I never thought I'd be not wanting to watch Star Trek show. Right. It's, right. You know, it's just I guess I don't know with me having OCD, my OCD brain just can't wrap around the changes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some fans can do it. And I think it's great. But I just never, just not one that I ever got into. So, but I wish them all good luck. I hope they have a good season. I'm happy that the fans are going to get their final year that might actually be really good. And I feel bad for them that their show's being canceled. I mean, right. they, there are fans who really love it. So oh, yeah, yeah. I would never disrespect it in that, in that regard or those right. fans. Right. But, it, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Nothing important. Oh, okay. Well, and then really the only other project i heard this is gearing up is star trek section 31 okay oh, it's been a while since we heard about anything about that yeah i think actually there was a, a story about it recently i guess they're getting pre-production ready to go so it's it's gonna happen cool you know, all right won't be a series it'll be i think what a tv series or, or not a tv series a mini either mini series or like a two-hour movie or something like that yeah something like that and yeah. i mean it'll be good to see <clears throat> Michelle Yeoh kind of come back to Star Trek for one last time. Yes. Yes. She's an excellent actress. And what she did with Emperor George Ovis, she played her very, very well. I don't like the character. I don't like the idea of a space Hitler in Star Trek. And now space Hitler's getting her own (laughs) movie, you know, for her. Yeah. I mean, she deserves it. She, she did a good job in that role. So I, you know, all the power to them. And I know that they're still planning the Star Trek Starfleet Academy series, which apparently takes place during the 32nd century with Discovery. Yeah. So who knows? There's not really much detail about it or when it's going to be released, but it's in that's in pre-production too. 
All right. Well, as we kind of wrap up here, let's let's talk really quick about our one one thing each that we're looking forward to from Star Wars in 2024. Do you care if I take the lead here? Absolutely. Go ahead. All right. So I'm really excited for the Acolyte. You know, I've it's kind of set, you know, it's set pre prequels. So it's, you know, it's before the fall of the Republic, before the fall of the Jedi Order. It's in the waning days of the High Republic, and it's going to be featuring a dark side character. And I cannot remember the character's name if they've discussed it, but I do know that the actor that's playing the character is Amanda Stenberg. But she is absolutely captivating. I, I love watching her and stuff. Did, did you watch the first Hunger Games film? I've never seen any of them. Okay, well, that's kind of one of her first big roles. She was a fan favorite character from the book. She portrayed that character in, in the movie, and she did really well. But she was, you know, she was a good bit younger then. But where I really enjoyed seeing her is in this, it's a film. It's one of the movies I saw this year. It's kind of like a Gen Z whodunit film, kind of like, kind of like Knives Out, but we are with, with young actors. Mm-hmm. It's called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And uh, she was one of the, well, Amanda Stenberg, I believe. Yeah, they were in the movie as one of the main characters. And the, 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 the film also had Pete Davidson. So. You know, if anything with Pete Davidson, you know, you're kind of in for something weird. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, if you if you have a chance to see it, if you like a little whodunit, that's that's a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. OK. All right. What are you looking forward to from Star Wars in 2023? I'm definitely looking forward to the Acolyte. Um, I always look forward to any project that's coming out just because just to see what comes from it. The skeleton crew, I've, from what I've heard about it, seems pretty interesting. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the plot of Star Trek Prodigy. Yes. You know, I don't know a whole lot of the detail, but I guess it's a group of kids trying to find what find their way home or, or something to that effect. Yeah, I, I kind of have heard it compared to Star Trek Prodigy with a, a little bit of Goonies flair. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Because they're kind of on a on an adventure, I think as well. They're you know, they're, so yeah. okay, yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's something different that we haven't seen in, in Star Wars, and I think, sure, you know that'll that'll be fun. I'm sure they'll bring in some sort of parts with the Jedi or Sith or something in it somehow. Oh, I'm sure, and you know, and, and we get Space Jude Law. So exactly, exactly. So that'll be, that'll be cool. Um, the Acolyte, I think, is going to be a lot of fun because we're, we've never seen this era of Star Wars before visually. Except maybe in video games and obviously in our heads in the book, right? So it, it, it's going to be fun to see Coruscant and see what the Republic was like at that time, and maybe the beginnings of the downfall, plotting of the downfall of the Republic and of the Jedi stuff like that. It'll be a lot of fun. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to both shows. I think I mean it's not going to be nearly as exciting a year as 2023 was for Star Trek and Star Wars, but 2024 has got some good stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's, you know, unfortunately, we had a pretty lengthy actor strike that really is going to have a, a big uh, impact on 2024 in our franchises. But, you know, we'll get through. I mean, hey, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have any Star Wars or Star Trek. So that's right. Absolutely. So a little bit's better than nothing. That's for sure. Right. For sure. Okay, so I think that's going to do it for episode 33 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. Do you have any final thoughts there, Chris? No, I'm just looking forward to seeing what the new year is going to bring and just enjoy what's coming along. I'm looking forward for us continuing our show 
trying to make some fresh, new, exciting episodes. We have a couple of things we've been talking about and that are mm-hmm. going to bring into play. So that'll be good. Obviously, we'll report on the three Steel City cons that happened during that time. Sure, sure. If there's ever any fun stuff going on with about the Stella Parada, I'll tell you guys about that. And Jonathan, I keep thinking about you if you're going to join the 504. <laughs> well, I mean, much like a lot of my plans, that's kind of a in the future thing. I'm not, you know, it's definitely not happening anytime in the next six months for sure. But Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a big commitment. It is. It is. So, all right. Yeah, I, I think 2024 is going to be a good, a good year for us, for the podcast. Our next episode, we're recording in very early January. So we're going to be bringing back that Captain series that we started last episode with Cisco. And this time we're going to talk about Han Solo. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. We're going to have a special guest on the episode as well that we just lined up. And, you know, he's he runs a very large Facebook group and has a podcast of his own that talks about Star Wars. So I'm kind of excited to have him on. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I'm also hoping that I know we had a certain actor that we were hoping to get last year, but yes, writer strike. So we're going to keep it quiet for who it is, but well, I think we already kind of had talked about it when we did our, we, when we did our Picard episode, we had talked about uh, Todd Stashwick, but yes. We are still working to try to get him rescheduled, guys. So I know we promised you that it's going to happen, but unfortunately, that actor strike put everything on hold. But you know, we're we're trying to get him rebooked. I'm sure he's trying to get you know trying to be very busy himself. You know, ha- after having not worked for how many months, it may be a while until we can get him on. But trust us, we are going to continue working behind the scenes to to make it happen. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for episode 33 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll catch you in early January. All right. Sounds good. May the Force be with you. And live long and prosper. Good night. Good night.